0: Hello, this is Peter Bergman. You're listening to Radio Free Oz. Yes, you've got Oz in your ears for this Monday, July 18th, 2011. And we're going to take a long look at the debt crisis, which will prove once and for all, everything you know is wrong. Well, this time, perhaps it's not an issue that everything you know is wrong. It may be that everything they know is wrong. And the they I'm referring to is the GOP majority in the House and the minority in the Senate who don't seem to get the debt crisis. Yes, we're going to take a nice, long look at the debt crisis because it is a big, mucho, horrendo problem. They don't seem to think so, either because they don't get it which is possible because the GOP in the House is not known for its perspicacity or because they want to forget it. Well, why would they want to forget it? Let's go to Peter Beinart, a political philosopher and blogger, and take a look at the review of the deficit, the GOP deficit. He says, if the debt ceiling negotiations reveal anything about America in 2011, it is this. We live in an age of political amnesia. From the day the Twin Towers fell until the day Barack Obama was elected president, Washington Republicans did virtually everything in their power to increase the debt. Remember, when they came to power under George Bush, this is my own take Clinton left office with a surplus. Now we have this huge deficit. And how did it happen? Well, George W. Bush and his congressional allies pushed through tax cuts in 2001 and 2003 that, according to the Congressional Budget Office, added more than $2 trillion to the deficit over 10 years. In 2002, when National Economic Council Director Lawrence Lindsay suggested the Iraq War might cost $100 to $200 billion, he was rebuked by Office of Management and Budget Director Mitch Daniels the guy from Indiana who wouldn't run, and defense secretary, do I smell something in the room, Donald Rumsfeld. And then, for his good work, he was fired. According to the CBO, the war now costs $1 trillion dollars. So we're up to three trillion in deficit. In 2003, the Republican Congress passed the Medicare Prescription Drug Bill, which former U.S. Comptroller General David Walker has called the most fiscally irresponsible piece of legislation since the 1960s. When Medicare's chief actuary calculated that the legislation would likely cost more than $500 billion, a Bush appointee at the Department of Health and Human Services threatened to fire him if he released the information. Tell the truth, get fired. Well, okay, the GOP has been leveraging themselves, been fighting this to the end. They've been talking about political advantage. They've been bullies. They've been obdurate. Well, to what end? What is their end game? Well, here's what Russ Duthat has to say about this, another political blogger. For months, Republican leaders used all the tools at their disposal. The anti-spending intensity of their base, the White House's desire for a deal, the specter of dire consequences if the debt ceiling wasn't raised, to leverage their way into a favorable position. Despite controlling just one House of the Congress, they spent the spring and summer setting the agenda for the country, not whether to cut spending, but how deeply and how fast. But last week, the Republican offensive suddenly collapsed in disarray. In the space of a few days, a party that once looked capable of pressing the White House into a deal that would have left liberals fuming found themselves falling back on two less palatable options instead. Either a procedural gimmick that would try to pin the responsibility for raising the ceiling on President Obama, or a stand-on principle that would risk plunging the American economy back into recession. They've fallen apart because they have been operating entirely on ideology. The Tea Partiers, you know, DeMint and all of his minions, puppeted by the Kochs and all the, the ultra-rich, working totally on, on ideology, not on economics, not on better thoughts for the country, not thinking of the Commonwealth, all only thinking of their narrow and completely inadmissible ideas. And on the other hand, you have the general Republicans who got it, but were so frightened by the power of this Tea Party that they caved. So now they have nothing they can either send us in default, which they know would be a tragedy, or find themselves stepping back. The rating agencies have been watching this whole thing with a gimlet eye. Moody's just said, hey, do away with the debt ceiling. They suggested the U.S. should eliminate its statutory limit on government debt to reduce uncertainty among bondholders. The ratings agency notes the U.S. is one of the few countries where Congress sets a ceiling on government debt, which creates, quote, periodic uncertainty over the government's ability to meet its obligations. So there's no reason that we can't just get rid of this debt ceiling thing. It certainly isn't in the Constitution. And the public have overwhelmingly rejected the GOP approach to solving this debt crisis. A new CBS News poll finds Americans are unimpressed with their political leaders' handling of the debt ceiling crisis. A majority disapprove of all the involved parties' conduct, but Republicans in Congress fare the worse, with just 21% backing their intransigent resistance to raising taxes. A stunning, get this, 71% disapprove. President Obama earned more generous approval ratings for his handling of the negotiations, but still more people said they disapproved, 48%, than approved, 43%. But his 43% approval is twice that of the Republicans. Meanwhile, the Republicans are turning right with a vengeance. Vengeance. Republicans will bring to the House floor tomorrow a newly revised debt ceiling bill that is remarkable for its total absence of compromise at this very late date, two weeks before the threat of default, this according to Politico. It's called the cut, cap, and balance bill. It's become a big shibboleth for the right. Cut, cap, balance, cut, cap, balance. Well, what does it really mean? What is it? And what's its effect the most common house version of CCB would cap spending at 18% of GDP, nearly uh, 476 billion more in cuts in 2021, 476 billion more than even House Budget Committee Chairman Paul Ryan has proposed. So they wanna dig an even deeper tank trap in the path to prosperity. And to pass any revenue measure under this bill, Congress would need two thirds of all the members in both chambers an immensely tough standard to meet. What does Mark Halperin say? The main action remains in a three-ring circus. One, Reid McConnell talks. Two, the House Republican votes on various cut-cap balance schemes. And three, the obama Boehner talks. The president has signaled movement on accepting a short-term fix and on entitlement cuts. So far, what was true last week seems to remain fairly true, i.e. nothing can get a majority in the house. It still may take a mini market crisis to focus the DC mines. Oh, that's good. It takes a mini market, maybe a major market crisis to focus the DC mines. Oh my, we need a worldwide crisis to get these guys to concentrate. Well, maybe there's hope among the GOP candidates. What do they say about the debt crisis? Let's start with Mitt Romney, the businessman, the moderate, the man in the middle. He says, Cut, cap, and balance. Oh my golly, that's one for CCB. Tim Pawlenty, the beige rage, whose lips are now surgically attached to the butt of the Tea Party, says default is better than raising any taxes. Enough with him. Michelle Bachmann says no to anything except cut, cap, and balance. We have two for CCB. We have one for just let it rip. Then there's Newt Gingrich, always the oddball out. When he isn't busy running up a bill of Tiffany's, he comes up with new ideas on how to solve our biggest problems. He says, meet the debt crisis one month at a time. Pay off this month's debt, say $100 billion, and cut $100 billion in spending. And do this every month until people get it together. Oh, Newt, what have you been smoking? And then Ron Paul I wouldn't consider him a major candidate but it's another vote for CCB. So there's there's really no hope from the candidates there's no hope from the party where is it going to go? I don't know. I'm going to look tomorrow at some of the history of the thinking and the personalities and the psychology that brings people both the legislators and the public to this kind of crisis totally unnecessary. Oh, by the way, keep Oz out of crisis. Keep Oz in your ears. We need your green. Doesn't have to be a lot. Some people send us 200, some 100, some 50, 25, 10, whatever you can afford. Then you can get back in the free lunch line. Okay, this is Peter Bergman reminding you that, and this includes myself, that everything that I know and everything everything you know is is wrong.